the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed an hour number two is now underway at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, the 20th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, our Lord 2019. A little uh, program note for you. Uh, I am going to be out of the studio tomorrow, and I have a very nice surprise for you. Two hours of uninterrupted Kersenau. You're going to love that. Peter Kersenau will be filling in for me tomorrow on the program, and... Uh, it's funny, I actually texted Pete last night and asked him, uh, I said, hey, I'm looking for uh, a really solid guest to discuss reparations with, particularly someone from the African-American perspective, uh, as, of course, you saw yesterday at the uh, subcommittee hearing on reparations, they had a ton of African-Americans speaking out on this in pro and con uh, fashion, and uh, I asked Pete for someone, and uh he said there would be no better, nobody better than me that I could recommend to you. But he's hosting for me tomorrow. So guess what? You're going to get great perspective on the reparations issue, on the uh, uh, plight of African Americans post-emancipation and pre-Civil Rights Act, post-Civil Rights Act, and more. So Peter will have uh, all of that covered for you tomorrow. I think you're going to really enjoy that conversation. Of course, how could you not enjoy Peter Christianel? All right. Um, in this hour, however, on this Thursday, I want to bring Dr. Everett Piper back to our program. He is our regular Thursday guest does a phenomenal job for us he is a former president of oklahoma wesleyan university he's a nationally best-selling author and a very uh, well sought after speaker as well dr piper good to have you back sir how are you i'm doing great bob thanks for having me on always a pleasure thanks very much dr piper i mentioned reparations in my open and there's three subjects i want to discuss with you one is reparations two is the uh, comparison of our southern border detention facilities for illegal uh, uh, migrants and uh, border crossers to Nazi concentration camps. I want to get your thoughts on both of those things, uh, as well as talk to you about the Southern Baptist Convention. I know you have some thoughts on that, but since I brought up reparations in promoting tomorrow's show with Peter Kirstenau, um let me ask you that to start. Um, 
you you've uh, no doubt considered this. This is not a, a new issue. This is something that's been discussed for many, many, many years. Uh, reparations is something that was opposed by former President Barack Obama. It was opposed by former President Bill Clinton, former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton as well. There's never been a real strong appetite for this, but they're using it now, I think, for political purposes, trying to get black voters to stay aligned with the Democrat Party at a time in which it seems more and more of them are moving away from Democrat um policy. So uh, what is your take? What is your read on this movement and what we heard yesterday in terms of calls for reparations for um, uh, for slavery? I'd like to respond by reading a quote from Louis Gomer uh, that was read yesterday in the Reparations Committee. But before I do that, let me just ask a couple rhetorical questions. If we're going to go down the reparations path, from whom are you seeking reparations? Are you seeking reparations from whites therefore to pay to blacks. Are you seeking reparations only from those people with white skin? Will you seek reparations from those people with black skin or brown skin who have a family history that's been proven to be in advocacy of owning slaves or actually trafficking in slaves? Because we know historically that it wasn't just whites that trafficked in slaves, that it was blacks who trafficked in slaves, too. For example, in Africa, one black tribe would rise up against another black tribe, conquer them, enslave them, and then sell them to British slave traders to traffic to the United States. So are we going to seek reparations from those people that are only white, or will we seek reparations from other people, too? This is balkanization. It's separating one group of people against another. And any time you start balkanizing one group against another, you end up with war. You don't end up with peace. Any time you start focusing on victimization rather than virtue, you end up with violence. You don't end up with peace. What we're doing right now is we're separating. We're segregating. We're dividing the body. We're celebrating division rather than unity. I said on your show a few weeks ago that I used to be the president of a university for a reason. It wasn't called a diversity for a reason. It's because the ideal of the academy is to come together in unity over veritas, unity over virtue, unity over the first ideas, the things that matter. We don't celebrate division. We don't call it a diversity because diversity by implication and by definition is division. It is segregation. It is cutting the baby in half. And when you cut a baby in half, Solomon calls it, calls it what it is. It's dead. It doesn't live. And what we're doing in our culture right now is we're encouraging, encouraging division through this reparations talk. And it's a ruse, because if Kamala Harris has a history of slave ownership in her family, even though her, the color of her skin may be brown rather than white, are you going to seek reparations from her? If Cory Booker has a history of slave ownership and trafficking in his, in his country, because you can tra- trace his lineage back to the tribes in Africa that were... The, uh, uh, the, the victorious rather than those that had been subjugated, are you going to seek reparations from him? Are you only going to make it white against black? Which is what the implication is. Yes, it is. And by the way, the rhetorical question that you've asked and others have asked, and that is, what did you have to do with it? What do I have to do with it? I have never been in favor of slavery. I have never trafficked in slaves. I have never stolen anything from any person by virtue of the color of their skin. Are you going to hold me accountable just because of the color of my skin? And if you do, you've just balkanized, you've just divided, you've just broken the bond of e pluribus unum. You've made us unum, you've made us pluribus, the many, 
the division against the unity that we should stand for. Dr. Piper so brilliantly stated, absolutely right. That's kind of the, the point that I was trying to make before. This is about dividing us. This is, I mean, we're already a divided country, a largely along racial lines, uh, and in some ways worse than we have been maybe since the Civil War. I feel like that started in 2008, quite frankly, with uh, President Barack Obama turning the races against one another even worse. Um, and, and now this attempt to, uh, as you said, take away from people who look like uh, those who held slaves 150 years ago and give money to people who look like people who were enslaved 150 years ago does nothing to bring people together. It only divides us along those racial lines even further now. Um, doctor, let me move on to uh, topic number two that I wanted to discuss with you. This is um, an actual member of Congress. This is Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border. And that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. And um, if that doesn't bother you, I don't. I don't. I like. We can have. Okay, whatever. I want to talk to the people that are concerned enough with humanity to say that we should not. That never again means something. That last line, Dr. Piper, was the money line. Um, she has been roundly criticized for her comparison of our detention facilities at the southern border because we have to hold people who cross the border illegally somewhere. Uh, for comparing this to uh, concentration camps. In response to the criticism, she has said, I never said Nazis. I never said Nazis, and I never said the death camps. There's a difference between concentration camps and death camps. But that last line you just heard there in her little riff on uh, her social media that she lives on, she said, never again has to mean something. Never again, of course, is the slogan that has been adopted and has been for decades now uh, referencing the Holocaust, that never again will we allow something like this to take happen. So she clearly was talking about the Holocaust, concentration camps, rounding up an extermination of six million Jews and other undesirables by the Nazi war machine. Um, what is your perspective on this, Dr. Piper? You know, there are times when I have to wonder if Ocasio-Cortez is as dumb as she comes across or if she's shrewd and brilliant. <laughs> I, sometimes I just don't know because this is such a ludicrous statement, as was her statement over climate change that's saying that we only had ten, a decade or was it 12 years, 10 12 years, years or 12 years before the world would implode. 12 years. Are you serious? Are you serious? No serious scientist actually believes that the world is going to implode in 12 years. Even those advocates of uh, the political climate change solutions uh, would not argue that there's any scientific evidence whatsoever that would prove that. Now, why am I bringing that up with regard to her concentration camp claim? These extreme statements that she makes, they seem foolish, but is she intentionally moving the narrative to the left so far that the correction that she knows will come because of the extreme extremity of what she's saying. She knows there's going to be a correction against it, even from her advocates. But the correction will move the target so far to the left that she wins anyway. I don't know whether she intends it or whether it's just by default what's happening. But what she did is just ludicrous. It's historic nonsense, and it's logical nonsense. I don't know if she's been to Auschwitz or not, but I have. You didn't enter into Auschwitz or the surrounding county or cities of Krakow seeking asylum and safety. 
These people were trying to flee that area. Poles and Jews were trying to flee those areas to get away from the persecution. They weren't trying to enter into those areas to seek freedom. Distinction number one. Distinction number two. When you entered into the uh, Nazi camps by virtue of someone else's decision, not your own, you were shot. You were gassed. You were executed. You were put in furnaces. This does not happen in the retention facilities of the United States. You're put in a holding area until you can legally, until your situation can be resolved legally. My land, this woman's statement is stupid. There is no parallel between a Nazi concentration concentration camp. She says she didn't say Nazis. Well, what the heck is she talking about then if she's speaking of never again and concentration camps? Her denial of speaking of Germany and the Third Reich and the concentration camps thereunder is disingenuous and dishonest, and she knows it. This is just historical nonsense. It's logical nonsense. It makes no sense. Yeah, not only dishonest, not only disingenuous, but in my estimation, dangerous. Because when she tries to equate uh, the the uh, detention facilities with Nazi concentration camps, she is equating the Trump administration to Nazis. She's equating Donald Trump to Hitler, and that is the kind of language, that is the kind of rhetoric that can lead to very, very dangerous situations being uh, carried out by uh, unstable people who listen to that and actually think they are they are uh, duty bound to take action against it. Uh, Dr. Piper, let me ask you to hold there so we can take a quick time out here and check our traffic. We'll come back and want to talk about the 2019 Southern Baptist Convention and uh, some anti-Republican messages uh, that were coded in it that uh, you took a special interest in. We'll talk about that as we continue right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, uh, 1025, I've got five good minutes left with Dr. Everett Piper to continue our conversation. And Dr. Piper made me aware of a a very interesting Facebook post, uh, kind of summarizing the 2019 Southern Baptist Convention uh, meeting and uh, a message that was held or that was uh, kind of included by the president that is, uh, let's just say, a little bit more than uh, nonpartisan. And Dr. Piper, I'm going to let you explain exactly what you're talking about here Robert Gang was talking about here uh, with respect to the anti-Republican message and what is supposed to be a non-political statement. Go ahead. Well, J.D. Greer, who is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention right now, issued a resolution. This is a resolution that he issued to the Southern Baptist Convention floor, where he said, we oppose political partisanship, and so we will not endorse any political candidate or party. And he went on further in his resolution to essentially... Uh, argue for a moral equivalency between the political parties and the political platforms, and therefore the church should rise above partisanship and just focus on the gospel. Well, Robert Gangyong, and I'll spell his name for everybody, G-A-G-N-O-N, you need to follow him, Robert A.J. Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N, took issue with this and has a great Facebook post out there where he essentially says, Really? The church is supposed to rise above political partisanship and not support any political candidate or party ever. 
Should William Wilberforce have been told that when he fought against slavery on the floor of the British Parliament for a quarter of a century? Should he have been told to shut up, sit down, and don't deal with politics? Should the founder of my church, the Wesleyan Church, a man by the name of Orange Scott, when he fought against antebellum slavery and he fought for the freedom of blacks and the poor within the United States, should he have been told to shut up, sit down, and stop being political? When we have this false equivalency between political parties and argue there's no distinction between the two and that Christians can legitimately support one or the other, when only one stands for the execution of the unborn, only one stands for the degradation of a sacrament of the church and dumbs it down to a government-defined uh, matter and imposition as opposed to marriage being defined by the church. What happened to the separation of church and state, this wall of separation? I'd like to ask that. When you have one party that stands for intruding into the church and redefining its sacraments, intruding into religious freedom and taking that freedom away from florists and bakers, intruding into the very life of a child who is seconds before birth and giving people the right to kill that child, sacrifice that child on the altar of convenience, Moloch's altar of selfishness as opposed to giving that child life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When only one party stands for these evils and the other party stands against those, how can you possibly say that the church should stay out of it and not get involved in partisanship and thereby imply that somehow there's a moral equivalency between the two? Robert Gagnon is exactly right. We have the obligation to stand up and be partisan if one party is wrong and the other party's platform is right. Why do you suppose, Dr. Piper, that uh, President Greer um, is making this statement now? Is this more of a support for all of the things that you just said, saying we're going to stay out of it and by extension uh, essentially support uh, the party that does all of those things that you just mentioned? Or do you think this is more um, timely as it pertains to the reelection of Donald Trump? Is this an anti-Trump slash Republican message? It is an anti-Trump message. And again, it'll make some of your listeners anxious, but I was on Fox News against Trump during the primary because I took issue with his personal morality. He owns casinos, he traffics in selling, um, uh, de- de- degrading the, human, the female into a recreational object, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He boasted of his infidelities in his multiple books. I criticized Trump for this. Now, during the general election, I had a decision to make, and the decision was, did I want to vote for more freedom rather than less? Was I going to stand for the party platform that was more covenantal versus hierarchical, one that gave human liberty and dignity and freedom, or one that stood for government imposition and power? So I gladly checked the box for President Trump during the general. But a lot of these evangelicals out there can't get over the fact that they now have to recognize that in America we vote for a covenant, we don't vote for a king, and we always have the obligation to protect freedom rather than compromise it. And there's only one party out there that is covenantal in its party platform that is pro-life, and that stays out of the business of the church and allows people to practice their religion without imposition of the state. There's only one party. And how can you say that that party is morally equivalent to the one that's the exact opposite and wants to take those freedoms away? 
Dr. Everett Piper, very brilliantly stated as always. Dr. Piper, thank you so much. Great conversation on all the issues, reparations, concentration camps, and yes, uh, partisanship in the pulpit and when it is appropriate and when it is not. Dr. Piper, we'll talk to you again next week, sir. Blessings. Thank, thank you so much. Dr. Everett Piper joining us. It's 1031. We've got news coming up on the other side of that. We're going to go and do a deep dive into uh, AOC's, and not just AOC because she has been defended by the left, by virtually all of the left, for her comments comparing detention facilities at our border to concentration camps um, that the Nazis ran. Um, we're going to talk to somebody who's got a, a, a personal uh, I don't say personal stake in this, but I guess I could say that. Michael Goldstein from Proclaiming Justice to the Nations is going to be joining us next on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1037, we continue on this Thursday edition of The Authority. i got 23 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. Um, before I go to the phones and talk to my next guest... Um, good news. Uh, this just came across. The Supreme Court made a ruling this morning, or announced a ruling anyway, by a 7-2 decision that a peace cross war memorial on public land outside of Washington, D.C. can stay. The 7-2 decision determined that it does not violate the Constitution. Residents of Prince George's County, Maryland, and the American Humanist Association had filed a lawsuit to have the cross taken down saying it violates uh, the separation of church and state. But the court determined that the factors, including the history of the memorial, support the notion that it is not religious in nature. For nearly a century, the Bladensburg um, Cross has expressed the community's grief at the loss of the young men who perished, its thanks for their sacrifice, and its dedication to the ideals for which they fought, just as Samuel Alito wrote in the court's opinion. It has become a prominent uh, community landmark, and its removal or radical alteration at this date would be seen by many as not a neutral act, but as a manifestation of a hostility toward religion that has no place in our Establishment Clause traditions, he continued, quoting Justice Breyer's concurrence in the 2000. 2005 decision in Van Orden versus Perry. So good news. I just wanted to throw that in there. The um, uh, War Memorial, the Peace Cross, rather, Peace Cross War Memorial on public land can stand, and it can stay. So that is good news. All right. Uh, I want to pivot now and go back to an issue that I had started to discuss with um, Dr. Everett Piper, and I want to play this clip for you again as I bring my next guest onto the program. Um, this is freshman representative, the 29-year-old former bartender and current airhead, I mean uh, member of Congress, representing Westchester in uh, New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border, and that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. And... Um, if that doesn't bother you, I don't. I got. I like. We can have. Okay, whatever. I want to talk to the people that are concerned enough with humanity to say that we should not. That never again means something. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez says that never again should mean something. Never again, of course, is a long-established slogan um, that represents never allowing a Holocaust to happen in this country again, the mass or in the world again, the mass extermination 
of six million Jews by the Nazi war machine uh, that we have all come to know as maybe the greatest atrocity against one particular peoples, in this case the Jewish people in human history. Uh, never again. That should never again be allowed to happen. And she compared what is happening at our southern border, simple detention of illegal aliens crossing our border and phony migra- or phony uh, uh, asylum claimants trying to say they are looking for asylum from religious or political persecution in their countries. We have to hold these people somewhere until their cases can be adjudicated. And she said these are like the concentration camps. I wanted to speak to somebody who's um, kind of an authority on this subject, or at least that's how I see him. He is the Ohio Director of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. Now, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, for those who don't know, their mission is to educate, advocate, and move to activate Christians, Jews, and all people of conscience in building a global community of action and prayer in support of Jews and of Israel. We are engaged in winning this ideological, social, moral, and spiritual battle for the mind of this generation. And Michael Goldstein is the Ohio Director, is also the PGTN General Counsel. Uh, Michael, good morning. Good to talk to you, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. It's really good to be with you again on the air. It's always uh, good um, to talk to you. Um, Mike, you were one of the first people. Actually, Bev, uh, is what, your wife, uh, was one of the first people I thought of when I, when I heard these comments from, uh, Cortez and I, and I listened to the criticism, which came immediately and correctly of such an abomination of a comparison of these two types of facilities. Um, and then especially when I saw the defense of her in response to that criticism, saying, no, she's right. This is exactly the same thing. Um, Mike, I'm going to let you explain yours and Bev's history here and then uh, get your reaction to that. Sure. Uh, first of all, let me add to your definition of what proclaiming justice to the nations is. Uh, it's a Christian organization, and it's dedicated to educating Christians on their biblical responsibility to defend Israel and the Jewish people. And you gave a lot of the detail of it there. Uh, PJTN.org, PJTN.org, go take a look at it. We do uh, textbook reviews for anti-Semitic, anti-Christian, anti-American material, and we report to school districts about it. Uh, we're a media company. Uh, we have 47 DVD documentaries out there. Um, on the juxtaposition of Israel, Judaism, and Christianity. And uh, we have a radio show that goes out uh, mostly on the air um, to 2 billion, D-I-L-L-I-O-N, people every week on uh, some of the Christian broadcast stations. So, uh, and in Ohio and in other states, we do legislation, some of which I'm working on now, and that's a subject for another show about. So that's what we do. Um, Bev, my wife, um, most of your listeners know about her. Uh, she's out working for a living today. Um, she's from a Holocaust family, and you, uh, she lost every one of her father's relatives in in uh, in Europe. Um, he was sent by his family from Czechoslovakia to Detroit to live with an aunt in the 1930s. He came back as a sergeant, a tech sergeant in the American Army and artillery, for those who know. He was in 105s. Was in Germany when the war ended. Went back to Czechoslovakia on leave and found that every last one of his relatives had been murdered in Auschwitz. Bev's mother and her aunts were slave laborers in Auschwitz, and it's interesting when we campaign in the inner city. And I tell our friends, the black folks, that my wife's mother was a slave, and um, that leads to some discussion. But um, when you said skin in the game, I think that's true. 
Um, Now, uh, because I do a lot of history, let's look at what a concentration camp is. The first uh, institutions that were actually called that, although I'm sure they've been around for several thousand years, were during the uh, Boer War, the British against the German South Africans, uh, in uh, the Second Boer War, 1900 to 1902, where the British rounded up civilians and put them behind barbed wire so they could not support the troops that were in the field fighting the British, or actually the Boers, B-O-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and about uh, different sources say that because of neglect of these civilians behind the barbed wire, um, between 14,000 and 40,000 of them died in that two-year period. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I would stake my life on it. I'm sure that uh, 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 Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez has never heard of the Boer War, but I don't think that's what she was referring to. But a concentration camp, most benignly, is where you just put a bunch of people together and, and guard them. Um, the Germans in World War II when they invaded uh, the Soviet Union, were just rounding up 250,000 or so Soviet troops. And, and when they were on the attack, they put them behind barbed wire, fired them with machine guns, and didn't feed them, didn't give them shelter, didn't give them clothes, and they died. So that's one kind of a concentration camp. Uh, Bev's mom was in a different kind of a concentration camp. She was at the part of Auschwitz where the slave laborers lived. And what they would do is work the Jews to death, and then they would go get some more, do some more work. Her mother was in there for about a year, that and other camps, and she survived. So, now, the thing with with, um, uh, OAC is that I'm sure she knows none of this history. I think people are feeding her just talking points, and she has no backup for the talking points. Um, I, I not only heard her say this, I watched the video on YouTube about it, doesn't know what she's talking about, um, and then but and she and and oh and another difference between a concentration camp and a jail or a prison is that you are in a jail or prison when you've either been convicted of a crime or you're suspected of having committed a crime and you haven't been processed yet you haven't made bail and in the case of our southern border there are people who obviously come in here illegally and they, their cases haven't been processed or adjudicated, and you've got to put them somewhere, so they hold them there. That's legal incarceration. Concentration camp is extra legal. It, there's no legal basis for rounding up a bunch of civilians and putting them behind barbed wire. Right. It's a completely different thing. And, um, and by the way, a lot of the <clears throat> pictures that you see about, the, about the, the holding facilities on the southern border were taken during the Obama administration, not during the Trump administration. So, but when Michael, Michael, let me let me interrupt for a second. Let me interrupt in the interest of time here because we've only got about three minutes left. Yeah. Um, can can oh, you okay, try sorry. to put into words? <laughs> can you try to put into words um, how insulting it is for her? I mean, you pointed out correctly. She obviously is ignorant of all of the history that you just talked about. Uh, she she has no yeah. earthly idea what she's talking about. She's still defending and so hard. What's even worse is I think people who are more educated than she is, people who do have a little bit more knowledge of history, are backing her up anyway just because uh, they share yeah. the same political ideology, which is simply shameful. Her but use, can you talk uh, about it from use, a Jewish her, person's her, perspective? How insulting it is to have these things compared the way they sh- that she did. Yeah, her use of the phrase never again oh. just triggers the Holocaust. I mean, that's, yes. that's what we're talking about. That's what she thinks she's talking about. 
if she thinks she knows what she's talking about at all. Never again should relate to her opening her mouth. But at any rate. <laughs> so well um, said. I'm so sorry. well said. I couldn't resist that. But at any rate, yes. You may recall that when Richard Cordray was running for governor, he made some statements, one statement comparing Republicans to Nazis. Then he apologized, and then he did it again the next day in a different context. And my wife, Beverly, wrote a scathing, scathing article condemning him for that because she knows what what the Nazis really, really were and are. Okay. Um, It's very, very insulting. Uh, You need to realize that anti-Semitism is a bit different. It's a lot different from other hatreds. It's not discrimination against Jews solely. It's not bias against Jews solely. It is an annihilationist uh, ideology to wipe all Jews off of the earth and have us all dead. That's what it's about. And that's what she is triggering here. Um, She's trying to get comments. She's trying to stay in the news. It's kind of like what the president does when he comes out with a crazy tweet and has the mainstream media chasing their tails for a week while on the other side he goes and accomplishes a whole bunch of stuff when they're not looking. But I think this is just publicity for her, and it's, again, victimizing Jews. Uh, You can't, it's hard to deny. We don't like people uh, touting their victimhood. There's too much of that. But Jews have uh, suffered anti-Semitism since the days of the pharaohs. So it's really going on, and she is pandering that sentiment among the American people who don't like the Holocaust. And when Americans yeah. think of uh, concentration camps, they think of the Nazi Holocaust against the Jews. Yeah, and, and everyone that. does. Or and she band. knows that, which is why, and so does she, which is why she said the words never again, and she invoked that, uh, and that, that gave away her true of intent course. here. And the worst part about it, Mike Goldstein, is she is so dangerous because it's not just, you know, the insulting to Jews to reference this in such a way, but the danger is that it is equating the administration and the president to Hitler and his Nazi uh, thugs who did these things, because that is, of course, who Absolutely. is running the running the detention centers, of course, uh, you know, at our southern border, and that's what makes it even more dangerous um, uh, for them. So, uh, Mike Goldstein, I'm, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you coming on. Please give my best to your lovely bride, uh, Beverly, and uh, thank you so much for sharing, Mike Goldstein. Again, uh, if you're looking for more information about what he and they do at proclaiming justice to the nations, as Mike said, go to pjtn org pjtn.org that's proclaiming justice to the nations pjtn.org and we're back after this whkradio.com is where to find the bob france authority podcast All right, 1055, final segment of the Bob France Authority for this Thursday. Let me get a quick phone call in from Bill in Summit County before I update you on a- on uh, ADF. Hey, Bill, you're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Yes. Uh, yes, sir. I, I'm enjoying your show, and you have a great lineup on that station. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate the, that. Uh, the stuff about the border is very disturbing. This uh, AOC character is, is like being screamed at by a middle, a middle schooler. Yeah. I, I don't understand how she gets where she is. Why did she get less than twenty thousand votes, a majority, to put her into that position? Yeah, um, I think I think I less than was, like like eleven percent turnout in that district is what it was. Oh, uh, and, for and, sake. and her opponent didn't even campaign, so I mean, it was yeah, it was well, really it a mis- tells you really something about the yes, tells you something about the Democratic Party being led around by this woman. Um, yeah, but and they the, are the border is a, yeah, the border is a hot topic that they want to. Uh, 
get as much uh, attention to, uh, you know, stir up as much trouble as possible on it. But here's here's the problem we have. Uh, right under the Trump administration's nose, uh, both the IRS and the Social Security Administration are facilitating the uh, illegal use of Americans' um, Social Security numbers by the illegals. And, and it takes just a little bit of looking around to see how, how uh, easy it is for a duplicate Social Security numbers to be used uh, by the illegals and to, you know, But those things don't matter, Bill. Those things don't matter. I'm sorry to cut you off, but those things don't matter. Why? Because this is a manufactured crisis. This is just Donald Trump doesn't like brown people. They're not victimizing anybody. They're not taking advantage of anybody. They're not committing these crimes. No. Obviously, I say that tongue-in-cheek, and I thank you for that great point that you made. I need to update you before we're done, though, on Alliance Defending Freedom. You're killing it. And I love you for it. Thank you. Keep doing this. We are down now to 13. We need 13 more donors of $100 each to reach our goal by the end of the month of June. We at Salem here at AM 1420, the answer all across the country, all of our stations, we are supporting Alliance Defending Freedom as they continue to represent uh, in courts of law victims in this society of political correctness, social justice warriors, uh, uh, political agendas, identity politicians, and more. So they continue to fight for so many, including Baron L. Stutzman and Jack Phillips and the Lyceum. And we tell you about these every single day, about these um, individuals. And it could be you next. You know, you, you hear about these people. That's not me. I'm not in Colorado. That's not me. I'm not in Oregon. That's not me. I'm not in at South Euclid. Maybe the next time it will be. Students. Uh, business owners, employees, everybody is in jeopardy by uh, so many of these uh, ridiculous identity politics, uh, political agendas that are being in advance. And Alliance Defending Freedom is representing you when you, they come for you. And they do it free of charge. But it is not free to fight court cases. They need the resources, and that's why this ministry is so important for us to support. Please call 800 691 8969. Yesterday I told you I needed three donors at $100 each. You came through with three donors at $100 each. I need the same thing today. We got to keep pace here. Uh, by the end of June, today's the 20th, I still need 13 more donors. So if you can do $100, please do $100. If you can do $200, $300, if you have the means, it's tax, tax deductible. And also, if you can't quite make 100 but you have 50 please do that. Call 800-691-8969. Or go to our website, whkradio.com, and click the Freedom Fund banner at the top of the page. It'll say Alliance Defending Freedom. It'll take you right to the Freedom Fund donation page. Please do what you can to help defend Alliance Defending Freedom because they continue to defend you. Uh, Tomorrow on the program, I have a day off. I have some uh, family business to attend to, but i got a special treat for you. Peter Kersenow will be hosting the show for me tomorrow. Peter will host, and you will get his unique perspective on reparations, on concentration camps, and much more. That I can promise you. So uh, until I talk to you next on Monday, the next Bob France Authority, enjoy Peter Kersenow tomorrow, and have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.